Thank you for tuning in to Midtown's podcast. Before we begin, we wanted to let you know that these podcasts are a little bit different because we these were recorded during the COVID-19 outbreak and the shelter-in-place period. So we weren't able to worship together like normal, but we did record how we did worship together via a Zoom video conference. We still spend time in God's Word, and we spend a little bit more time in prayer over our city, over our country, and over the world. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to see you all. Happy Easter. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is uh, Jake Box. I'm a pastor here with Midtown and uh, so glad that all of you have uh, joined us on this uh, very uh, weird Easter, right? I mean, this is this is pretty strange. I'm sad that we are not uh, all together on this day, but uh, you know, this is our reality. We are uh, sheltering in place, huddled up in our in our homes, trying to stay safe, keep others safe, uh, wrestling with our fears over COVID nineteen or the economy or perhaps you know many other things right now. And so, as a result, it just it just doesn't really feel like a uh, normal Easter Sunday, but the truth is, it's actually pretty similar to the very first Easter. For you, for you see, the very uh, first Easter, Jesus' uh, closest friends, his uh, disciples, they were uh, basically doing what we're doing and uh, really feeling uh, something very similar to what we are feeling until something uh, interesting, something crazy took place that ended up bringing them surprising amount of peace. And so this morning, I want us to look at that and look at the uh, disciple uh, John's account of what took place on that day in the very first Easter. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 20. We're going to be in verse 19 through 21. If you don't have a Bible or if it's easier for you just to follow along uh, with our slides, we're going to have the words up here for you as well. Um, But we're going to look at this thing that brought the disciples uh, a great amount of peace on that very first Easter, because what brought them peace can also bring us peace today. And we all want some peace right now, don't we? It sounds sounds good. What's on that? Well, great. Let's let's look at this passage together this morning. John chapter 20, we're going to pick up at verse 19. It begins this way. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, and then let me just hit pause right there because I don't, I don't want you to miss this. John, who was one of Jesus' disciples and uh, is the source of the uh, Gospel of John, like this is his eyewitness account of what happened, he wants us to know that on the evening of the uh, very first Easter, they had it just wrapped up the very first ever Easter egg hunt. And they weren't just about to sit down for the very first ever big, you know, Easter celebration meal with their family and their friends. No, instead they were huddled up in a house, scared to death that they were full of fear, sheltering in place. (laughs) Sound familiar? Um, Now this, what's interesting is that the reason why they were full of fear is because they thought that they might be killed or imprisoned or at least ostracized from their people. 
And the reason they felt that way is because just two days prior, Jesus, you know, the, the person they had pinned all of their hopes on and who they had come to believe was the long-awaited Messiah, he had just been crucified. And that was a problem for a lot of reasons, but one of them was because uh, they had publicly followed Jesus for the last two or three years of their lives. And so they were closely associated with him. And so, you know, if the Jewish religious leaders could rally the people to have Jesus killed, then they reasoned and they could come after them as well. So that's why on the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Now, before I move on, I do want to point out, I think this is really intriguing that John would tell us this. Like, especially in light of John chapter 20, what comes right before what we're reading right now, and I'm not going to look at it this morning, but I would encourage you to take some time later today and just read all of John chapter 20. It's, it's awesome. But what he tells us takes place earlier on this day is that Mary Magdalene, who was uh, the leader of the women who followed Jesus, she had gone to the tomb and had where Jesus had been buried on that Friday before, and she found it empty. And so she ran and she told Peter and John, the guy who's writing this, and she, she tells them what she had found. And so Peter and John, they run to the tomb and they also find it empty. But then they go back to the house where all the rest of the disciples are and they lock the doors and they hide in fear. Like they don't hit the streets start shouting, Jesus is alive, he's alive. They're not saying, he's risen, he's risen indeed. <laughs> you know, that's not what they do. They go back and they hide. You know, if I think, if we had the opportunity uh, to ask John uh, why he did that, uh, I, think he, I think he wouldn't be real proud of it. Because, you know, like this is, this doesn't make him look like a hero of the faith, right? I mean, this doesn't make him and Peter and the other disciples, it doesn't make them look good. You think, man, John, why did you do that? I think he would say, well, you know, I, I wish I hadn't. I wish I had responded with greater faith. But, you know, I, I tell you, this is what we, I did because this is what happened. And I know this doesn't make me look good, but I'm not trying to make something up that makes me look good. I'm just telling you what happened. And I wish that I had done something else, but I didn't. This is what I did. Because we did not expect that Jesus was going to rise again. That's not what we thought was going to happen. But then something surprising did happen. If you go back to the passage on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Now, this is, this is amazing, right? Because this is John saying that the person that he had seen killed by crucifixion on Friday then popped in for a visit on Sunday evening, right? <laughs> like, wait, wait, what? Like, and, and, and then 
John's like, and I remember what he said. The first words that came out of his mouth, I remember them crystal clear because this is what he said. He said, peace be with you. And I remember that because that was the opposite of what we were all feeling leading right up to this point. Peace wasn't with us. Fear was with us. But he said, peace be with you. And then he showed us his hands and his side. Now, why do you think Jesus showed them his hands and his side? It's because <laughs> Rob Walton just raised his hand. I'm not going to call anybody, but let me tell you all the answer. <laughs> he showed them his hands in his side because um, they were thinking exactly what we would be thinking at this moment. What would we be thinking? We would be thinking, is this a ghost? Are ghosts real? Maybe, I don't think the ghosts are real, but they're here with this. Maybe ghosts are real because look at this. Or they're thinking, am I imagining this? Or can, can you see what I'm seeing? Are y'all seeing this too? Or am I just seeing this? And the reason we would think that way, the reason they thought this way is because we know, we know people don't die and then two days later rise again. That doesn't happen. And so they responded the same way that we would respond. We need some proof, some evidence. This doesn't correlate. You see, contrary to, to what might be the assumption of some, this was not something easy for uh, Jesus, I mean, for Jesus' followers to believe had happened. They needed proof. I love what um, the, 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 uh, what the British theologian and historian N.T. Wright says about this and it's a highly acclaimed historical survey of the resurrection narratives that it's entitled The uh, Resurrection of the Son of Man. I strongly recommend you study this, uh, read that book if this is something you want to know more about. But in there, he explains that though many of the Jews in the first century did believe that there would be a bodily resurrection, they believed it would take place for all of God's people at the same time when God renewed the world and removed all suffering and death at the very end of human history. And so for them, the idea of one person being resurrected in the middle of history was, uh, while the rest of the world continued to experience sickness, decay, and death, was inconceivable, and not just inconceivable, but heretical. And so the point it being is that the uh, idea of an individual bodily resurrection was just as hard for Jesus' followers to accept as it is for us, albeit for different reasons. That's why John tells us that Jesus showed them his hands inside. It's because they needed proof. This was not easy for them to believe. And so Jesus shows them. Then where the nails had been driven through his hands. And he shows them where the spear had entered his side. And only after they are fully convinced that Jesus was actually alive again physically, does John say this. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. The disciples were overjoyed when he, they saw the Lord. This word overjoyed in the Greek is the word hyro, and it means uh, literally to uh, rejoice exceedingly. Like I think about uh, the scene of uh, a basketball team at the end of, that just won the NBA Finals, 
You get those you get those shots every once in a while in the locker room. Everyone's jumping up and up and down, high five and jumping on top of each other, popping champagne with goggles on. I mean, just pure you know, <laughs> pure joy. I think that's what this looked like. They rejoiced exceedingly. They were probably with some kind of dog pile or something like that. And then after all of that, verse twenty one, Jesus says again peace be with you. You know, like in case they missed it the first time he said it, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Now, why does Jesus keep saying that? Well, I think it's because peace is what Jesus had come to bring. Peace that can move his first followers from being full of fear to being overjoyed and peace that can also move us even today from being full of fear to being overjoyed. For you see, Jesus' death and resurrection brings us surprising peace in at least three ways. The first is this, it brings us peace with God. First and foremost, it brings us peace with God. You see, for Jesus died and he rose again in order to accomplish something that we could never do on our own. Peter, one of Jesus' other disciples who was in the room on that very first Easter, he put it this way in the letter that he wrote that's included in the Bible. He says this, Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Meaning, Jesus wasn't just our example. He wasn't just an example of how to live or how to love well. He was our substitute. That he, the just, the righteous, died for us, the unjust. Dying in our place for our sins, the wrong things that we have done, so that for this purpose, he might bring us to God. You see, Jesus went to the cross to die the death that we deserve to die as a payment for our sins. As Peter says in that exact same letter, he, he says it this way, he himself, talking about Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross. And because he did, we can now be reconciled to God, have peace with God, be forgiven and accepted and adopted into God's family simply by believing this is what Jesus has done for us. See, Romans 5, 1 and 2 puts it this way. We have peace with God. How strong is that? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. See, the surprising message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is this. You don't have to do anything to earn God's acceptance. You don't have to do anything to make you right with God. For God loves you so much that he did all of that for you. When he, God the Son, died in your place and rose again. And because of what Jesus did, you and I can receive the gift of peace with God forever just by simply believing it. It's incredible. See, and that means we don't have to live in fear. That we don't have to be afraid that we don't measure up. And we don't have to be afraid that we're not good enough 
and that our good things don't outweigh the bad things that we've done. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to be afraid of that. For you see, Jesus' death and resurrection removes the fear that you might be rejected by God or condemned by or judged by God because Jesus was condemned and judged for you and for me so that you can be welcomed in through him so that he can bring you to God. And when you believe that, when you trust that, you are immediately gifted peace with God forever. And that will move you from a place of fear to a place of rejoicing. He's, came, he's come to bring us peace with God. But it's not, not just that, as amazing as that is, and it's, it's incredible. But he also has come to bring us peace even in the hard times. To bring us peace even in hard times. And we need this kind of peace right now, don't we? I mean, everything just feels so uncertain and everything just feels so scary. But friends, what we're celebrating today can fill us with surprising peace, even in this season. Because listen, if God can work through the greatest evil that has ever been committed, the killing of God the Son, Jesus his crucifixion. If he can work through that in order to accomplish the greatest good that has ever been done, the salvation of many of all who believe, then, listen, there is nothing, literally nothing, that God can't work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, as Romans 8.28 promises. I love what Tim Keller, the author and pastor, says about this scene that we're looking at this morning. He says this. He says, when the disciples saw Jesus being killed, the spear, the nails, the wounds, they thought that those wounds meant the destruction of all of their hopes. They thought those wounds were ruining their lives as well as Jesus's life. But when Jesus stands before them and he shows them his hands and his side, he was saying, the wounds you thought were ruining your life have saved your life. You see, Jesus' death and resurrection communicates that God is a redeeming God who has the power and the wisdom to take the hardest of times and the worst kind of circumstances and accomplish the greatest good, not just in spite of them, but actually, and as crazy as this sounds, through them. The cross, friends, is ultimate proof of that. And because of that, we can face our hard times with surprising peace. Which means even right now, in this crazy season, as scary as it is, when we reflect on, when we receive the message of Jesus' death and resurrection, it can reassure our hearts that God can even work through this time to accomplish his good and loving purposes. And man, when I believe that, when I go to the cross and I find the peace that that promises, it's like, you know, Jesus can bring us peace even in our hard times. There's one more thing that I'll hit on this morning. That is Jesus' death and resurrection can also bring us peace even in the face of death. See, right now we're hearing a lot about the death rate. 
But the truth is the coronavirus or, or cancer or even tornadoes as we were under threat of last night, none of those things can actually increase the amount of people that will eventually die. They cannot, I mean, they can concentrate it, they can hurry it up in a sense, but in the end, death will have its day one way or another for us all. Happy Easter, right? <laughs> but um, truth is death gets everyone except for Jesus. For Jesus conquered death. And because he did, we can live even if we die. Listen to Jesus' words in uh, John chapter 11. He says this about himself. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. See, the promise of Jesus' resurrection is that death no longer has final say. Because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done, we can have eternal life. Which is why in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul, after speaking of Jesus' resurrection, is moved to mock death. Here's what he says. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. Victory over what? Over death through our Lord Jesus Christ, which means because of Jesus, we can have surprising peace even in the face of death. See, because our physical death isn't the end of us. It's not the end of everything that we care about. It's not the end of love or personal relationships. It's not even the end of the physical world. Instead, it is the beginning of all of those things in their perfected forms. It's the beginning of the unbroken, untainted by, uh, untainted by sin, a world and relationships that we have always longed for, where we will live forever in the presence of our God and Savior in a new heavens, and new earth with all that who, all who have been rescued from death by Jesus. Friends, this is the surprising piece that's available to all of us because of what Jesus has done, because of what we're celebrating on this day. Peace with God. Peace even in hard times. Peace even in the face of death. Friends, as we close, let me just ask you, um, are you filled with that peace? Like the peace that Jesus came to bring, are you filled with that? Do you have that? Is peace with you? See, some of you have never trusted that Jesus died and rose again for you. My encouragement to you on this day is for you to believe that and enter into his peace. And because he did all that needed to be done in order for you to be brought to be with God and have peace with God, all you, all I have to do is simply believe it. Like right now, sitting where we are, you just simply can say to God, God, I trust that. I believe that. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again to bring me to you. And we're promised in this moment 
you have peace with God and it's forevermore. You can do that right now. I would really encourage you to. Others of us, you're not ready to do that yet. And I understand that. It's a big decision. You want to know, is this really true or not? Like Cliff said, I want to know, is this really, is this true? We, want you to rem we just want you to know that our church, we're committed to be a place where you can explore that. You can ask hard questions. You don't have to worry about offending any of us. We've asked all the same questions. We'd be happy to come alongside you and help you look into, is this really true? Did Jesus really live, die, rise again in order to bring you to God? We would love to do that. Please let us know. Reach out to us. Email us. Hit us up. We, we, we'd love to walk with you on that. For others here, we believe this already. And yet, Jesus' peace isn't with us, or at least it's not with us to the degree that we want when it comes to the hard times we're facing or an idea of the face of death. And if that's where you are right now, then here's my encouragement to you. Don't move on. Don't move past this. This isn't something we think about and celebrate one time a year. We need to go to this every single day. When the fear starts creeping up, you go back to the cross. You go back to the empty tomb. You believe this again, not for your salvation. That's done but so that your fear can be removed and you can be moved to overjo overjoyed rejoicing so that you can have peace. Because listen, if God can bring the greatest good ever through the most horrific evil ever, Jesus' death for you, that he can bring good out of any hard thing that you are facing right now. Embrace that. Go back to that. Chew on that. Meditate on that until his peace comes home to you. For you see, Easter is the climax of a story where victory comes out of defeat and strength comes out of weakness and life comes out of death. And because it is a true story, the peace contained here is available to you. For Jesus' message to us today is the same as it was on that very first Easter. Peace be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, now I pray that your peace would be with us, the peace that you provided to us through Jesus's death and resurrection on our behalf. God, I pray that those who have never believed that Jesus died for them and rose again would believe it now and enter into peace with you forever. And I pray for those that already believe that, God, that this peace would come home to our hearts as we remember this again and again, the good news of what Jesus has done for us and the, how it is a demonstration of your incredible power and your incredible wisdom that you are able to bring the greatest good even through the most horrific evil. God, give us that kind of peace. Assure us in our hearts of that today as we face the hard times we are living in right now, that Jesus is peace would be with us. We love you, God. Thank you for what you have done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.